Hey, welcome to another exciting podcast from Freedom House Church. My name is Troy Maxwell. I'm the senior pastor of our church. We are one church that meets in multiple locations, which means we have different communicators at all of our different locations. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from one of our teaching teams. I know that it will bless you. You will walk away changed. So enjoy this message. And come on, give God some praise right where you are. God is so good. Glad to be with you. My name is Troy Maxwell, and I am the senior pastor of Freedom House Church. And I was just thinking about this today. You know, this is our Good Friday service, and I, uh, this is the first time we've ever done anything like this. And I, I was driving, and I just, honestly, I miss you guys so much. I miss just being around you. I miss hanging out. So I'm just, all right now, can I just give you a big virtual hug right where you are? I know some of you don't attend Freedom House Church. You're just kind of hanging out with us. That's okay. That's all right. Don't get nervous. Um, I'm still socially distancing myself. I just want to give you a big virtual hug and tell you how much I care about you. Freedom House, those of you that are part of our church, thank you so much for all that you're doing and uh, all that you're doing in the community. We have some great things that are, that are going on. This weekend, we're celebrating Easter. We have services that are continuing on Saturday and then all day Sunday. Make sure you invite some friends. My challenge is that you to invite 10 people, 10 friends to our Easter services this week. Get on social media, uh, go, I don't know, maybe you know, knock on their door, your neighbor, and then run away and tell them, yell at them, hey, come to Easter service. I'll meet you online, whatever it works for you. So I, I was thinking about Good Friday, and, and, and I've always thought this question, what was so good about Good Friday. I mean, if you just kind of put yourself 2,000 years ago, I mean, this has been celebrated for over 2,000 years, Good Friday. Now, we know that it was the death of Jesus Christ, but what was so good about it? I mean, why do they call it Good Friday? Jesus was betrayed by his closest friend. He was uh, arrested falsely, falsely accused by all of the people around him, all of the religious people around him. Um, he was beaten brutally. He was flogged. He was whipped with a cat of nine tails, whips with pieces of shards of glass and metal were on it, and they ripped tore his skin to pieces. He was thrown and, and yelled at, ridiculed. Then he was put on a cross, nails put in his hand and his feet, hung publicly for everybody to see. I mean, what was so good about it? Why, why do they call it Good Friday? What was so good about Good Friday? I looked it up just to, you know, Googled it. That's what you do. Try to figure out why. Why did they call it Good Friday? There's probably over 50 different reasons why they call it Good Friday. I think that the significant reason why it's called Good Friday is because it gives us a pattern of how God works in our lives through the plan of redemption. And here's how it works. Suffering precedes glory. Let me say that again. Suffering precedes glory. In other words, there's a purpose for our suffering. There's always something at the end of our suffering. And God shows us through his son, Jesus Christ, that there is always greater glory on the other side of suffering. Another way to say it is hurt comes before happiness. Tragedy comes before triumph, pain before purpose. Here, here's how the apostle Peter said in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, he said, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, I know, I know many of us have kind of wondered what in the world is going on in our world right now? Like, 
is, is, is this punishment from God? Absolutely not. Let me, just, let me just let you know that God's not punishing anybody. He already punished one person on Good Friday, his son. He's not punishing anybody. This COVID-19 has nothing to do with God's wrath on the world. This has nothing to do with that. We live in a frail world. And so we, we understand that sin still exists in the world. And, and that's why one day Jesus is going to come back and redeem us all. Completely, we're going to be with him. But as Christians, how, why do we have to go through these challenges? Why do we have to, to deal with it? Well, here, here, here Peter says, but even if you suffer for what is doing right, God will reward you for it. There's a reward on the end of suffering. So don't worry or be afraid. Instead, here's what he says, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks, and here's what I think is so great about times like these, that, that we, are, we are in a position as the church, I believe, to set a standard, a value of God like never before. I realize that we can't really get close to each other. We're not supposed to right now, but that's all right. Because through technology, through, through the gospel being presented in so many different ways and so unique and innovative ways, man, we have an opportunity to share and be Christ to so many people. So he says, and if someone asked about your hope, now think about this. So you got suffering on one side and then you got hope on the other side. We all go through suffering, but the reason we can get through the suffering is because there's hope on the other side. Always be ready to explain. He goes on to say, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. We don't have to shout it at them. We just live it out, man. That we, just, we just live our lives and people are like Jesus, just magnetic to us. They're like, how, how can you face bankruptcy so well? How can you, you know, stay home with your kids so well? It's because we know suffering precedes greater glory. We understand that we got to go through some challenges. I know that didn't really make a lot of sense there when I put the kids in the mix there. But hey, look, look, I know your moms can agree with me right now that you're going through some suffering, Okay. But there's greater glory on the other side. Are you with me, guys? See, if you suffer, Peter says that you'll be blessed. I love the way Paul says it in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. He says, for I consider, listen to what he says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Notice that it's revealed in us. Um, When I... Uh, 20 years of marriage. I've been married 28 years, but when we kind of took that 20-year turn, my wife said, hey, would you take me to Europe? And I'm like, absolutely. My wife's a great cook. She, she's written a couple cookbooks. She, she can cook, I mean, like crazy. Uh, that's why I work out so hard is because she cooks so much. Um, so we went, I decided to take her to Italy. One of the biggest things she wanted to do is take some cooking classes. I was like, I'm down for it. Um, this is going to be awesome. So we went to probably my favorite city in the world right now is Rome. I know some of you have been all over the world. There's other cities that are, that are, I don't know what it is. Rome was so awesome because I didn't take a map with me. I just walked and you just bump into history. You're walking down the road and then there's, there's, a, there's a tunnel, history. You walk down, there's a, there's a fountain, you know, built in like 500 BC. I mean, just crazy stuff happening in Rome. So we went to the Colosseum, the, the, the Roman Colosseum, where they would have all these Christians who were killed for entertainment for the Romans. And we went to below at the bottom and we were taking this tour. I was using my phone. This app was explaining that underneath there were, there were these catacombs that you could walk through, these tunnels where the Christians would wait to die. They had already been tortured. They had already been beaten. 
I mean, horrible conditions. And as they would wait, they would, with their, you know, just torn fingers, ripped to shreds, they would scratch out with what was left of the fingernail a a little um, anchor in the side of the wall because it meant hope. It was the anchor of their soul was hope. Look, they were getting ready to suffer death, but they knew that on the other side was greater glory. Could it be that we're being challenged right now so that we could appreciate and understand how great the glory of God can be in our lives? I believe that there's a pattern that always happens. And it's like this weekend that we're celebrating. There's Good Friday, follow me here, there's Good Friday, suffering, there's silent Saturday. Nothing happens on Saturday. I mean, there's you, you, really not a whole lot in the Bible about, about Saturday. Why? Because it's silent. And that's what happens a lot of times in our life. We go through the suffering. We start crying out to God. And then we don't hear anything. Now, here's what I know. I know God's working. I know he's doing some stuff in the background. We don't see it. We don't feel it. We don't hear it. But things are happening. God's moving. He's getting us ready for Resurrection Sunday. For the sun to rise. So there's, there's suffering, there's silence, and then there's the S-O-N rise, the sun rise. And so this, this is the pattern that works in our life. So whatever you're dealing with, I think there's prophetic significance to this, and I also think there's personal significance for you and I. Jesus made it, he, he said it this way in John chapter 12, verse 32. He says, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, if, if, I, if I am crucified, if I am uh, put up in front, will draw all peoples to myself. See, I think this answers the question of the reality of God. A lot of people ask that question. Well, if God's so good, why do people suffer? Why do we have to have all this suffering? Well, because there's a purpose in it. There's a reason. On the other side of suffering is greater glory. Now, I know in the church, especially the American church, we don't like to talk about suffering, but the truth is, is that we got people that go, I've been through some stuff, you've been through some stuff, we don't, just, we don't just faith it away. No, we use it as a testimony to reach people because when we can etch in our hearts that little anchor and realize that there's hope on the other side of our suffering, man, people are drawn to us and they go, how can you make it through a divorce? How can you make it through a bankruptcy? How can you make it through losing your job? And you can say, because I have hope in Jesus Christ. That is the good news, that Sunday always comes after Friday. So how do we process this? How do we, how do we make, make it through the challenges? Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus made seven statements while he was suffering on the cross. I mean, he was like hanging there on the cross between two thieves, and he was basically letting us know how to process our suffering. I want to go through these real quickly because I think they'll, they'll help us in understanding because not only is there this personal uh, significance, but there's also, also a prophetic significance to it. Number first, the first thing that he said, number one, is that he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. See, the first thing that came out of Jesus' mouth as he's suffering is that you're forgiven. We're forgiven. The sins of the world, past, present, and future, have been completely washed away. Now think about this for a second. If you're questioning the existence of God, why would God through redemption offer forgiveness if there's nothing next? I'm just saying, I mean, I think there's an importance to understand that if God's gonna forgive you for something, then there must be something to forgive you for. There must be something on the other side of that forgiveness. 
The second thing that Jesus says, he says, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Humanity was represented on both sides of Jesus. One part of humanity denies who Christ is. The other part of humanity realizes that they need a savior. And so Jesus turns to the realization that he is wanted and needed. And he says, listen, today you will be with me in a place called heaven. You will be with me in paradise. You know what that means to you and me? That on the other side of suffering, there's a greater place. There's a promise that's awaiting you and me. Number three, he says, woman, behold your son. He's speaking to John Uh, the revelator, and he says, listen, I want you to take care of my mom. Why did he say this? Because family is important to God. You know, the, the first commandment with promise is honor your father and mother, and when you honor your father and mother, you'll get long life. Why would Jesus make that statement if he didn't know that he was gonna be raised from the dead? If he didn't know that there was something else beyond dying on the cross? Number four, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your back? Now, understand something. Jesus didn't die because he was tortured or beaten or hung on the cross. No, he died because our sins, yours and my sins, were put upon him. He didn't just wash our sins away. He became sin for you and me. And as a result, God turned his back on him one time. Why? So he would never have to turn his back on humanity again. God will never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never walk away. There is nothing, listen to me, listen to me. There is nothing you have done in your life, nothing you can do in your life. God will always be there with open arms for you. Always be there. Fifth thing that he says, he says, I thirst. Why did he say I thirst? He was prophetically fulfilling something, but also letting us know that there's an emptying that's required of us when we come to the cross. We have to lay everything down in order to pick up the living water that God provides for us. Number six, he says, it is finished. This is my favorite part. It is finished. He screamed out, it is finished. What did he mean? He meant everything for the authority that you and I can walk in has been completed. He would then go down into hell, take the keys back from the enemy so that you and I can stand in a position of authority knowing that when we pray in Jesus' name, things happen. Angels are, are, are sent. God listens because it's finished. We now have authority over the enemy. It's completed. Everything is done. And then the last thing that he says The seventh thing that he says, he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. See, Jesus did all of this voluntarily. He didn't do it because he had to. He did it because he wanted to. God came from the beginning of the the Bible, Genesis, leading all the way up to the moment that Jesus would die on the cross. Everything was set to a plan. Suffering precedes glory. God was setting up a moment so that, so that God, Jesus would voluntarily give his life. He voluntary li- voluntarily lived to be as a human. He, he, he voluntarily submitted himself. He could, he could have stopped it at any moment, but he didn't. See, I believe there's, there's a time. So we all have, all have the ability to choose. And I think on Good Friday is a good moment. It's a good time just to kind of reevaluate your life. 
You know, that poem we, we read at the beginning of this service really speaks of all of us. We're the ones that send them to the cross. Let's be honest. The reason why it's Good Friday is because it's good for us. It's good for what he did for us. I think it's a good time to reevaluate your family. I think it's a good time to reevaluate your relation, reevaluate your relationships, to reevaluate your heart. Are you right with God? I mean, look, be honest right now. Quit playing the religious games, the good Christian games, and say, God, I really want you in my life. I can't think of a better time than right now to reevaluate your conversations, to reevaluate your marriage. Dads, to reevaluate your, role, reevaluate your role as a father in the home. Moms, to reevaluate your role as a mom in the home. Leaders, to reevaluate your position in the church. To look at your life. And if there's anything of excess on Good Friday, it's just laid at the foot, foot of the cross. And just walk away from it. So, Father, we just come before you today. And we're so thankful for what you did on the cross for us 2,000 years ago. We're so grateful. Why, do, why is it called good? Because it's good for us. It's good for me. Because it sure wasn't good for you. Thank you, Jesus, for sacrificing for you and me. Thank you, Jesus for dying on the cross for us. Thank you, Jesus, for becoming sin so I wouldn't have to ever face it again. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Let's worship together one more time.
I can't think of a better time to just remember what Jesus did for us by taking communion. So if you could, if you could just get that, the pieces of communion together, get all the, get a little piece of bread, maybe a cracker, something that represents his blood, some juice. And I just want to lead you through this, lead your family through this time of remembering. I was thinking about this um, today and I was, I was reminded of the Israelites leaving Egypt. And the 10th plague, you know, there, was, there were 10 plagues that they went through. The last one was the angel of death was to come through Egypt and take the firstborn. There's a whole message around that. But the reality is, is God wanted to protect the Israelites, so he told them to take a lamb, an unblemished lamb. And he said, he said kill that lamb, take the blood, eat, eat the lamb, take the blood, and put it over the doorpost as protection. And they were to take the blood and put it down the sides and over the top. This unblemished lamb to put it down the sides and over the top. Notice notice how it works. Down the sides and over the top like a cross. Pointing to what Jesus would do in his redemption for us. See, the significance of the beginning of the beatings of Christ all the way through I commit my hands, I commit my spirit into your hands, God. There's symbolism for, all, for everything that we need to live our lives, to thrive as believers. See, his body was broken so that we could be healed. His blood was shed so that we would be forgiven and have access to the Father. So when we remember this, it's as if we are putting blood on the doorposts of our house. It's protection around our family. It's remembering everything that God did for us. So I want you to take the symbol of his broken body in your, hand, in your hand if you could. Father, we thank you for what you did for us 2,000 years ago. We thank you that you were bruised for our iniquities. You took our griefs, our sorrows, our diseases, our sicknesses upon yourself. Lord, you... You were flogged, you were beaten, stripes you received for our healing. So we remember that right now. In this time that we live in, this uncertain moment, there's one thing we can be certain of, and that's our relationship with you, and we remember what you did for us today in Jesus' name. Go ahead and take the symbol of his body. The blood is so significant. You know, when, 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 when Jesus breathed his last breath, the Bible says the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. That way man could never take credit for God being released into the world, for us having access into the presence of God. And it's because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ that you and I now have access right to God. I mean, we can talk to God anytime we want. That's pretty incredible. And the most incredible part is he'll talk back to us. It's not a monologue. It's a dialogue between us and our heavenly father. And it's because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you. Thank you that today we get to remember what you did for us. Thank you, Jesus, for voluntarily giving your life. Thank you that we're washed clean all unrighteousness 
and we can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain, to obtain help in a time of need. God, we, we need some help. Our world needs some help. God, thank you for putting us on the front lawn, lines as, as Christians, as believers. God, let us be the ones who lead the way into hope. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Just go ahead and receive that. And if you could, just, just close your eyes and just put your hand on your heart and just allow the presence of God just to come and minister to you right now. Let's just sing this one last time. His love chases us down. His love is so awesome. Just sing it out. Thank you.